it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And I step back so the anointing of God and the spirit of God can use me to articulate the things of the spirit and the principles from your word to your people. And I thank you that our ears are open and our hearts are receptive to hear what you have to say. And I pray in Jesus' name that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word and follow our lives as a result of us hearing and applying your word. And I thank you for amazing things happening in Jesus' name, I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, last week we started a new series entitled Reconnecting. Everybody say Reconnecting. And the whole goal behind the series is to connect us or reconnect us vertically with God, connect us horizontally with people, and then ultimately, because of the month of March, is financially connect us to the kingdom of God. And on last week... Our foundational message or verse was found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And we know that story as the prodigal son. And the overall focus that we had on last week was to point out that if or when we disconnect or wander from God and his heart and his ways, it's only because we have entertained thoughts that lead us in that direction. And so last week, before the prodigal son left home, I pointed out he had to entertain thoughts about leaving home. And so I gave you a take-home statement that I'm going to give you again, and then we're going to jump into today's message. We had a take-home statement last week that said, before we are prodigals in our walk, we become prodigals in our thoughts. Amen. Because the reality of the situation is this, church, your body will never move until your thoughts have given it permission. I'm going to say that again. Your body will not move until your thoughts have given it permission. And so today we're going to talk about another area that we need to reconnect in. And so if you're taking notes today, the message title is Reconnecting Souls. And the focus of the lesson is to help you and I see that God has given us a very important job to do as believers. And that job is to reconnect mankind back to him. The second thing I hope to get out of today's message is to motivate you to share your faith, not only with your family, but with others. And I'm going to show you how to do that in a way that is powerful and effective. So, we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That's where our foundational verse is going to be this morning. And I only have two points. Everybody say two points. I only have two points this morning. And the first point, if you're taking notes, is reconnection involves reconciliation. 
Reconnection involves reconciliation. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through the King James Version and then we're going to move over into the Amplified. So it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us. Everybody say, I'm a us. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm a us. Who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Watch this. And, everybody say, and. And he has given to us, say, I'm a us. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us, say, I'm a us. He has committed unto us, watch this, the word of reconciliation. It goes on to say in verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, or for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, and we pray in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now listen to the Amplified quickly here. It says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away and behold, the fresh and new has come. Verse 18, but all things are from God who through Jesus Christ has reconciled us, say I'm a us, he's reconciled us to himself. Meaning, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself. And he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed, this is going to be important later on in the lesson, by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with him. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us, here we go, the message of reconciliation, of restoration of favor. So we are Christ ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. So listen, I read that to help you and I see that it is clear that there are two things that God has given us as believers to connect or reconnect people to us. In other words, God has given us as his daughters and sons a job description as believers. And in this job description, there are two things that he wants us to do. And the first one, if you're taking notes, is that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. If you look in verse 18, it said he's given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So I first want you to see that this ministry of reconciliation is a gift. Everybody say it's a gift. Now, if it's a gift, it's up to you and I to use the gift. So he's given us, given, that's what that means, the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? That is an assignment and a service to introduce others to God through Jesus Christ. 
Then the second thing that's in our job description is that he has given us the word of reconciliation. And that's the ability that he's given us to use his word and to use our experience of his word that has worked in our lives. We use that to connect or reconnect others to God through Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, because I'm going to show you later, 95% of believers never have shared their faith in Jesus Christ. 95% of people who are believers have never led someone other, uh, has ever led somebody to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, this was Peter talking to a lot of Israelites. And so he's pretty much testifying. And so verse 38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice it says the gift of the Holy Ghost. What's the gift? The gift is the Holy Ghost, not tongues. That's why you, every believer ought to be able to speak in tongues because tongues is not the gift. It's a manifestation of the gift. The gift is the Holy Ghost. And you got that when you got saved. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. So then verse 39 says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are for all, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Watch verse 40. Here's what the focus. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this generation. I want you to notice he says, And with many other words. So God expects us to use his word, but also use what he has done in our lives to help connect or reconnect people to him. Listen to uh, the New Living Translation of Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that's why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring forth good news. Now, let me here's, here's the misnomer. For years, you can read that verse and think that the people who are supposed to be given this message is the preacher or the pastor. But no, 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 no. God wants to use you and I to reach people for Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, he that believe and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth not shall be damned. Do you see how important it is for you and I to spread the message and tell people about Jesus Christ? I mean, verse 16 was plain. It said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved and he that believe not shall be damned. And you may be watching me right now and think, wow, you mean to tell me if I don't believe, I'll be damned. Yep, that's what I'm telling you. Amen. And this is why the vision here at Word of Truth Family Church is so important. And I want you to, know, I want you to say, it, if you know the vision of Word of Truth Family Church, I want you to say it with me. And I want you to put it in the comment section. It is to know Christ and to Make him know. Now, I want you to notice what the vision of our church does not say. It does not say to know word of truth and to work, make word of truth family church known. It doesn't say that. And here's the problem. The majority of people that you meet who need Jesus Christ 
will probably never come to Word of Truth Family Church or to any other church of that matter. Do you know that the majority of people that you probably meet every day are not believers? When I was uh, with John Maxwell this week, he told a story when he was pastoring as a young man. This was 30-something years ago. He's a new pastor. He's pastoring this church. It was a small country church. And in the church, there were two older women. And back then, he would ask, hey, if you have a prayer request, just raise your hand and tell us what it is. You know, they didn't have the secret prayer request ways that we do. You know, put it on a piece of paper and so nobody else can see it. No, they would just stand up. And these two women would give the same prayer request every Sunday. Their prayer was they wanted their brother to come to church. So their brother got sick and got in the hospital. So you know, John Maxwell, being a new pastor, and he decided to go to the hospital to visit these two women's brother. And so after several visits, the brother really took a liking to John Maxwell. And he said to John Maxwell, when I get out of here, I'm coming to your church. John Maxwell walks out of the hospital and holds his hands up and says, Touchdown! So he gets on the phone and he calls the two sisters and tell them, hey, your brother is coming to church when he gets out of here. About 30 or 45 minutes later, he gets a phone call from the sisters. And unfortunately, right after he leaves the hospital, the brother dies. Guess what? He should not have been trying to get the brother to church as much as he should have been trying to get the brother saved. Amen. And the unfortunate thing about today's church is that we have used the gathering of people in a church building to focus or give people the opportunity to receive Christ. But if you have not noticed, things have changed. In other words, we're living in a pandemic right now that has forced us to change and people, listen, may not ever come to church in the building to get the word and to be saved. And that's why God wants to use you and I to reach people individually with the message because we don't want them to die before they know Jesus Christ like that brother did. Now, in Mark 16, when Jesus said, go and preach the gospel, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, send. No. See, and that's what we've done over the years. Come go to church with me. And I'm not saying that's bad. But if you notice, there are less people in the church right now because of the pandemic. Most of our church are viewing through the lens right now. So you can't tell them, hey, come to my church. No, 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 no. What God wants to, he wants to use us individually to reach them. And so there are three types of people. Everybody say three types of people. There are three types of people. And if you read Luke chapter 15, that whole chapter talks about these three types of people. You have uh, the lost coin, you have the lost sheep, and then you have the lost son, which we talked about last week. And the first group of people are like the lost coin. These are people, see, listen, that coin was lost and didn't know it. And that's most people. These are people who are lost and they don't even know that they're lost. And this is the majority of people that you'll meet. 
Then you have the second group of people who are like the lost sheep. Watch this. These are people who know they're lost, but they don't know how to find the shepherd. And this is why Jesus left the 99, you know the parable about the 100 sheep and 99 was there and he had lost one. And so the shepherd went to go find that one. And so this group of people are like that sheep. They're lost, but they don't know how to find the shepherd. And then here's number three. This third group are like the prodigal son. They are lost or disconnected from the father and they know what to do. They just haven't done it yet. They didn't do like the prodigal son who came to himself. And this is why sometimes, listen, I'm talking to some people right now, especially when it comes to your children. I saw a lady in the store the other day. She knew who I was. She'd come to the church before. And she was having issues with her 31-year-old son and how he's an alcoholic, but he doesn't know it because he hasn't come to grips with that, right? And so she was telling me the problem. I said, Mother, I'm about to tell you something that you may not like. I said, he hasn't hit rock bottom yet. See, the prodigal son had to hit rock bottom before he came to himself. And sometimes as parents, we're trying to keep our children from hitting rock bottom. But them hitting rock bottom is going to help them to figure out, I need Jesus. And those are people who are like the prodigal son. And remember now, it was the thoughts of the prodigal son that led to the disconnection of the father. Well, listen, the enemy has blinded the minds for those who have not heard the gospel, lest the gospel shines on them. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel shines upon them. So God wants to use you and I to use the gospel to shine the light to people so they can see that they need salvation. The living Bible of that verse says, if the good news we preach, notice it's called good news. Come on, you can't, listen, you can't, you can't tell people bad news and expect them to respond to it he says the good news we preach is uh, if the good news we preach is hidden to anyone it is hidden from the one watch this who is on the road to eternal death satan who is the god of this world this evil world has made them blind unable to see the glorious light of the gospel that is shining upon them or to understand the amazing message we preach so here's the thing here's the problem with most christians Ask me, what is the problem? The problem with most Christians is that we think that the majority of people are right with God or listen, or we try to clean the the fish and gut the fish before we catch the fish. And that's not how it works. I mean, Jesus doesn't expect us to change and clean our life up and then come to him. No, Jesus invites us to come to him and then guess what happens? Then he helps us change and clean our life up. Amen. And so everywhere I go, I look for opportunities for God to use me to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I understand that is one of my job responsibilities in the kingdom. Not as a pastor, but as a person. So this particular uh, week, I'm, I'm traveling, 
And, uh, I, I, you know, because of my height and because of my preference, I fly first class. Right? Height and preference. Notice I said both of those, right? So, you know, when my airline reservations are booked, I never ask for a, a window seat and I never pick the first row because the first row you can't put your stuff under the seat. They make you put it above the bin, which is very inconvenient. Well, this particular trip, guess what? Both of my preferences were violated. Not only was I by a window, but guess what? I was on the first row. I was like, Fit! so I sit down and I'm sitting down next to a guy named William. William has his wife, his three-year-old, and his baby, who's an infant, who's still on breast milk, on the plane, and the baby is screaming and hollering. And William is uncomfortable. He's not uncomfortable with the baby crying. He's uncomfortable with what he thinks people are thinking about his baby crying. I said, William, I said, don't let that bother you. We've all probably had kids. So William starts talking to me. And I know I'm on an assignment. So he's talking to me. And you know, William is using special words as he talks to me. Now I don't mind special words because he's a special person. See, I don't understand us as believers. Listen, dogs do what? Bark. Cats do what? Meow. Well, sinners sin. That's what they do. So I'm not getting upset because William is using special words. No, because William is a special person. So I'm listening to William as he's using these special words and he's telling me about his life and I'm listening and everything. And finally he says, well, what do you do? I said, here we go. Here we go. William has been set up and he doesn't know it. I said, William, I'm a pastor. He says, a what? I said, a pastor. He says, oh. He says, uh, you know, I'm not like criticizing what you do, but why, why do you do that? I mean, what, what is it about it that would make you do it? Because what, what's the big deal kind of thing, you know? And he says, why do you believe? I said, well, William, here's the thing. It's one thing for people to tell you about God. And it's another thing, William, for you to have an experience with God. See, when you have an experience with God, nobody can take that away from you. So it doesn't matter what type of person that I end up talking to. I don't care how far they are and what, what, what religion they believe. They can't convince me that my God is not real because I've had an experience. I said, William, can I tell you the experience? I said, because William, guess what? I'm normally not sitting in a seat like this, on a row like this. I say because uh, I, I don't, that's not my preference. I say, and so I know that God wants me to tell you something. I just don't know what it is yet. William says, well, when he tells you, let me know. I said, okay. I said, William, listen. I had an experience with God years ago. And I wasn't even a Christian. So I said, William, you know, when I was about a sophomore in college, I ended up meeting this girl, pretty girl, amazing girl. And uh, I started talking to this girl, started dating this girl. And because I went to school out of town, you know, this was, uh, you know, cell phones weren't there yet. 
So you had to go to the hallway with a phone that had a cord on it, young people, that actually had a digital dial. It wasn't a push button. It did. So I would call and then I would write. So I did something that sinners do and maybe some saints. I had sex with this girl. And after having sex with her, you know, a few weeks went by and she wrote me and says, Evan, Mother Nature didn't come this month. Y'all know who Mother Nature is, right? And I was like, oh my God. I'll never forget, you know, as, a, as she told me that, I was, it, it bothered me. I, I wasn't ready to have no kid. I, I remember specifically one day, I'm getting high with all my buddies. I mean, we are getting high like an eagle. I mean, we are high. And the moment I thought about her being pregnant, my high went away. It went away. It went away. So it was bothering me so much. And then one of the things that bothered me is because my mother told me, she said, son, if you ever get a girl pregnant when you in college, I'm going to make you quit college and go work and take care of that baby. So I was like, oh, my God. So like a month went by, no cycle, and another week. And so now I'm like desperate. I'm not a Christian. I've never prayed, but I did that day. I got down on my knees in my dorm room. Nobody was in there. I got down on my knees in the dorm room and I said, God, if you are real, I need your help. I said, God, I know what I did was wrong and I'm not going to do that again. Now, I wasn't saying I wasn't going to have sex again. I was saying I won't do it without some kind of protection. He even knew that. I wasn't saying I wasn't going to do it no more. Because what do sinners do? We sin. So I'm like, God, I, I won't do that again. I'm not ready to be a, a, a dad, God. I'm not ready to do that. And, and I'll be the best one I can, but, but can you help me? Right? So that week I went home, came back to Dallas. I went over to this young lady's house, and she was looking sick. I was like, She's like, yeah, my cycle came today. How many know I was happy? I even praised the Lord. But I didn't, get, I didn't get saved, but it was a seed that was planted. It was an experience. And so William said, so you think that was God? I said, William, who else was it? Couldn't have been nobody else. I didn't talk to nobody else about it. I said, William, that was God. So then I just listened to William because the only way you're going to reach people for Jesus Christ, you're going to have to listen to where they are. And so I started asking questions. I mean, I asked all kinds of questions, but I'll give you a couple of them just so you can say, I said, William, if you could, if I was a genie and could give you one wish, what wish would you take? He says, to have a better relationship with my dad. Hmm, that's important to William. I got to file that in my file cabinet because William doesn't know that he's on the hook. So then, William, we started hitting some turbulence, right? Playing, and William is really freaking out. I'm like, this is interesting. 
He says, I'm scared of planes. I don't like turbulence. I, I think they're going to crash. And then he says, I watched a movie last night about a plane crash and I shouldn't have done that. I said, well, William, you're going to be okay. Everybody on this plane is going to be okay because I'm on the plane. And then God told me what to talk to William about. I talked to William about my pastor's testimony. Here we go. We're not talking about the Bible. We're talking about someone's experience from the Bible. When my pastor, I said, you know what, William, my pastor has his own plane. And one time they were flying and they were 30,000 feet in the air and everything about the plane shut off. The engines, the power, everything. And I said, William, just so you didn't know, if you didn't know, there are no street lights up in the sky. And this was at night. So we were talking about it is black dark in this plane. I said, and this plane started. If you don't have power, what is the plane going to do? It's going to go down. And it was going down. And my pastor said to everybody on the plane, don't fear, follow my instructions. He first took authority over the plane and over the engine and over, over everything. He commanded the angels of God to surround that plane. He asked God to give the, the, the pilots wisdom and he commanded that plane to function. And guess what? After a few, after a while from diving, all of a sudden, <clears throat> everything came back on like nothing had happened. So I'm telling William this. And so uh, William, it's, it, we get off the plane and so... Uh, he, he gives me his phone number and says, maybe we can go out to lunch or something when we come back to Dallas. I said, well, maybe we can. See, I'm letting him. And then he says, well, maybe I'll listen to one of your sermons. I said, well, maybe you can. So I got, when we got off the plane, I said, uh, hey, William, it's Pastor Evan. Think uh, that you met on the plane in Florida. If you ever have questions about God, just text me. It was great meeting you. William responds, great meeting you, sir. Definitely catch back up with you when I get back to uh, Dallas. Enjoy your time in Florida. On Wednesday, good morning, William. I hope you and your family are enjoying your time in Florida. I pray for you and your family this morning. Blessings. Thanks. Much appreciated. Florida is great. Heading home Friday. I text, cool. The planes are not going to drop. Laugh out loud. I'll see you in Texas. Friday comes up. I text him. I'm already in Dallas. I said, have a great trip, William. You may want to stay another week there, though, because Texas is wet and chilly. Blessings. He texts me back at 7 o'clock on Friday night. We're back safe. I said, awesome. Thanks. Hey, look at your calendar for March and see if you have a slow week. I'm going to come and take you to lunch or dinner on me. No rush, just let me know. Blessings. Friday. Yeah, I'm good for lunch this week. He's setting himself up. I'm good for lunch this week. How about Monday or Tuesday at noon somewhere? I say, well, let, let's do Monday. You pick the place. You like sushi? Nah, I'm not a fan of sushi. Give me your second best. So what's my point? I am going to stay in touch with William until I have an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. So here's the question. How do we put into action this ministry of reconciliation that God's given us? I'm out of time. So why don't I just tell you what this is? So here's point number two. 
And that is reconciliation requires communication. Because a lot of Christians want to use lifestyle evangelism to reach people. It's okay to have your light to shine. But your life, your life shining does not, watch this now, negate the reason that God's given you a mouth. You can, look, your life is good, but you need to say something. Philemon, or Philemon, chapter, uh, verse 6 says this in the King James, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The Living Bible says, and I pray that as you share your faith with others, it will grip their lives as they see the wealth of good things in you that come from Jesus Christ. See, listen, the more you know and walk in the promises of God for your life, the more your light will shine and you become a magnet to others. See, when, you, when they start seeing your life and you start communicating the good things that God has given you through Christ Jesus, man, you, the communication of your faith becomes effective because they don't just want to hear what God can do. They want you to tell them what God can do in your life. So, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, in the Amplified, remember it said, and God gave us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others. And that's what it's all about. So, let me give you some tips to share in your faith real quick. Let me give you some tips because as believers... It is our responsibility to share our faith. Now, let me tell you something. There are two reasons why you want to do this. Because people coming into the kingdom of God is part of the heart of God. Do you all agree with that? In other words, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He wants everybody in the kingdom. So watch this now. If I make God's priority my priority then God's going to do something about that. And the scripture says, if we seek first the kingdom of God, and part of seeking first the kingdom is seeking what's in God's heart. And if God's heart is people, in my, when I start seeking first the kingdom, he says he'll add everything I need in my life. So you can get your needs met if you just make God's priority yours. And then the scripture says that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Well, it is difficult to diligently seek God without seeking what's in his heart. We know people are in his heart. So listen, listen, when you and I begin to share with other people the good news of Jesus Christ, not only will God meet our needs, guess what? He will reward us and those two things are different. So here's number one real quick here. Can y'all give me five more minutes? Can you give me five more minutes online? Come on, tell me. Let me see if I get if I don't if I get a thumbs up on the line, then uh, I'll keep going. If I don't get a thumbs up, I'm not gonna get. Uh, come, come on, give me a thumbs up. Come on. Come on, wait. Oh, there we go. Okay. Here's the first one. God expects us to share our faith. He expects us to. Ninety-five percent of Christians have never done that. Here's number two. You don't have to have an extensive knowledge about the Bible to share your faith. You don't have to have an extensive knowledge about the Bible. Number three, you have to be intentional in sharing your faith. You know, Luke 19.10, the Bible says, Jesus, the Son of God, came to seek and save those who are lost. Well, if Jesus had to seek to save them, we're going to have to seek to save too. So you got to be intentional. So every day I want you to wake up and say, God, put some people in my path that I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. you got to be intentional. 
You got to look for opportunities to share the gospel. Set a goal. John Maxwell has a personal goal every year. He has a goal to save, to, to, to lead 200 people to Jesus Christ a year. This is personally. This is not with, with his business or nothing like that. 200 people. And he averages 155. Amen. And the only way we're going to have the heart to want to reach out to people is we got to value people. And the way we value them is we go into their world. This is why I'm going after, I'm not going after John. I mean, William. Now, if William says, hey, can you meet me at the strip club? I'd be like, nah, I don't know about that, William. Uh, I can meet you in the parking lot and we can go somewhere else, but I can't go in there with you, buddy. We have to, here's number five, we have to be a listener more than we are a talker because when you listen to people, they'll tell you what they need ministry on, whether it's their family, their job, whatever. Here's number six, we have to ask God to give us what we need to share or how we need to share it. We need to ask God. Why we sitting there? See, why I'm sitting there with William, I'm like, God, what do you need me to share with him? I, I need you to download it to me. Here's number seven. Your first encounter with them, watch this, may be the planting of the seed of good news or the watering of the seed that was planted by somebody else. Listen, they may not get saved right then and there. It's okay because you might be planting a seed that for the first time or you may be watering a seed that God used somebody else to plant. Paul said, I plant Apollo's water, but God gives the increase. And then here's number eight. When you're sharing... Make sure it is out of love, without judgment, and it addresses as much as possible the concerns that they may have shared with you. And then number nine, if you get the opportunity to share the gospel in your story, ask that person, would they like to have eternal life and like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And I close with this one. I only have one more. It's like what I did with that Uber driver. I knew I didn't have a long time with this Uber driver. So when he came to my house to pick me up and he saw my house, that blew him away right there. Then I get in the car and he's asking me a million questions. He's like, uh, yeah, what kind of car are you picking up? From the, from the, and I'm thinking, well, you're going to see, but I tell him. And, and so he's intrigued by asking me these questions. So I figured, well, he's asking me questions. I might as well ask him some. So I'm like, man, how's your relationship with God right now? He said, oh, you know, uh, I got baptized when I, I grew up Catholic. I, I got baptized when I was like, for, but you know, I kind of I'm away from basically telling me I ain't got no relationship with God. So I said, okay. So then I started talking to him. I said, well, you know what? The only way you're going to understand your purpose in life is you got to connect with the, the manufacturer of, of your life. In other words, the, the manufacturer of this car knows what's wrong with it when it breaks. I said, God created you, and the only way you're going to know what God's called you to do is for you to reconnect with Him. So then I asked him, I said, so, so, so tell me this. If you died, where would you go? He said, well, I think I'd go to heaven. I said, well, tell me why you would go to heaven. He said, well, I'm a good person. I treat people good. I try to do nice stuff. I said, all oh, those are good. I said, but those don't get you into heaven. I said, I got some good news and some bad news. He said, what? I said, the bad news is you're going to hell. Now, gee, this is how I was just led to talk to him. I don't talk to everybody like that. Look, look brother, you're going to hell right now. Repent, fire, and brimstone. It's right now coming down. No, 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 no. But I feel led to tell him, hey, man, I got some good news and bad news. The, the bad news is you're going to hell. The good news is you don't have to. And then I walked him through. Here's the last point. 
Learn Romans chapter 10 verse 9. It says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God will raise him from there, you shall be saved. And then learn Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all you need to learn. Those two verses right there. Learn them. So when you meet them and you ask them, hey, you want to be saved? You know what to do. And then if you don't get the opportunity to share, get that person's information. And follow up with them. Now, you got to be careful. Because if they approach you first because they liked you, you might have to give them your Instagram address. But either way, follow up with them. And then here's what I want us to do as a church. I'm closing right here. Here's it. This is it. As a church, I want us to begin to share our stories and the message of Jesus Christ. And then report back every week how many people or just, hey, I did share with someone or you can tell how many. And then when you lead someone to Jesus, let us know. Because listen, last year through a COVID year, Word of Truth Family Church, and this is a low number, but in a COVID year, 31 people recorded salvations came through just from the lens, right? Well, think about this. What if every member of our church led one person to Jesus Christ for the whole year? Do you know we would have over 2,000 salvations in this church? So, our vision is to know Christ and make him known. And I need every member of Word Truth Family Church. Pastor, I, I, I know about this message. The question is, when was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Here's, here's a better question. When was the last time you actually led somebody to Jesus Christ? So with every head bowed, thank you all for giving me the extra minutes. With every head bowed, if you're watching at home, there's somebody and some people watching me right now that if you die today, you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven. I want you to know if you were the only person existing on earth, God still would have sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die for you. Not only does God love you, but he loves you enough to somehow lead you today to connect to this broadcast. He led you to maybe come physically to the service. But if you're not 100% sure when you die, eternal life through Jesus Christ, is what you will experience, I want to pray for you. And then there's some people watching me that you're like the prodigal son. Your life is off track.